Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week we are excited to start a new series on what it means to be the church. Our associate care pastor, Joshua Masters, is starting us off with a message on knowing our mission as the body of Christ. You can find additional resources and our message archives on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. Today, we are starting a brand new series that we're so excited about called As We Go. And we're going to be asking the question, what does it mean to truly be the church? What does it mean to move as one body, as the body of Christ? So here's the question we'd like you to ponder over the next four weeks. Do you really want to be the church? Or do you just want to keep coming to church? Those are two very different things. Each week we're going to look at one of four key components if we want to do that, if we want to be the church. So the first of those four key components that we'll look at today is that you are commissioned. So being the church requires knowing your mission. You can't fulfill your mission if you don't know what your mission is. And that's what we're going to focus on today. You have a purpose in Jesus Christ. And you have been commissioned to fulfill that purpose. And if I were to take a poll of this group and ask what your favorite Bible verse is or what your life verse is, I think it's a pretty safe bet that a good chunk of you would tell me Jeremiah 29, 11. Am I right? Here it is. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, it's not a coincidence that so many people gravitate toward this verse. Why? Because deep down inside, we desire to know God's plan for our lives. He has planted into us a desire to find his purpose for us and fulfill it. Now, this promise in Jeremiah is actually to the nation of Israel, but it does reveal God's character. So let's look at the equivalent promise God made to the church, and that is Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, it's really the same promise that we see in Jeremiah. It's just written in reverse order. But when we look at this verse, we typically only focus on the first section. Let's highlight that. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. And we just stop there. For some reason, we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, and we focus on the plan God has for our lives. But when we look at this verse, we usually use it to remind people, oh, everything's going to be okay in the end. And it will. It is going to be okay in the end. But because of the rest of the promise, let's look at the other half. Of those who love God and are called, what? According to his purpose 
for them. God has a purpose in everything. He has a purpose in you. You're not just saved to go to heaven. You're called to a purpose here. He knows the plan that he has for you. Do you want to be part of that plan? The problem is that most of us never move past a vague belief that there is a plan. Most of us never dig in to find out what the plan really is. Now, we spent the last few years here at Brookwood Church learning how to hear from God and how to be transformed by God. To what end? Why are we building these skills? Yes, it is to grow our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, that's important. But there's another greater purpose as well. We're supposed to become like Christ so we're equipped to fulfill his purpose. If it were just about, think about this, think about this for a minute. If it were just about our personal relationship with him, which is the root of everything we're talking about, but if it were just about that, there would be no reason for God to not simply take us home the moment that we truly surrender to him. You have to know your mission. And then once you know your mission, you have to act on it. You have to be active in that mission. Here's a spoiler. We're going to jump right to the last sermon in the whole series. The purpose of the church is to bring light to the world and reach the lost. That's not really a spoiler, is it? Because I think that most people who attend church in America know that that is the mission of the church. The problem is, I don't think we really act on it. We accept it as a tenant of the church, but we don't let it affect the way that we live our lives. Not really. We don't let the greater mission of the church change the way that we live. And you can't really talk about God's purpose in our lives and his mission for our lives without talking about what most Bibles refer to as the Great Commission. So we're going to look at that this morning. It's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. If you're using the Bible that we have available in the bookstore, it's on page 800. Page 800. Matthew 28. Now, for those of you who are not as familiar with this passage, it's important to understand that this takes place after Christ was crucified. And it takes place after he was raised from the dead. And now he's instructed the disciples to go and meet him at a mountain in Galilee. Now we get the sense from other passages that there were many people there, but Matthew is going to focus on the 11 remaining disciples and their reaction to what's happening. Now there's only 11 disciples because Judas is already dead. So we're beginning in verse 16, bottom of page 800. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now I've got to be honest, that passage has always really bothered me. They know Jesus was killed. They know Jesus was buried. They had already seen Jesus in his risen state. And here he is again, standing right in front of them. 
and some doubted. Now, it doesn't say exactly what they doubted or how deeply they doubted. But even with the physical proof of his resurrection right in front of them, some doubted. Evidence doesn't equal faith. Relationship does. Evidence doesn't equal faith. Relationship does. But the problem I've always had with this verse is that these 11 men did have a relationship with Jesus. Every time I've read that, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm going to be honest with you, it makes me question the strength of my own faith. It forces me to admit that sometimes I doubt God when his power is right in front of me. But as many times as I've read it and cringed at that verse, I never saw how truly encouraging that verse can be until I was preparing for this message. Jesus is about to share the mission of the church. He's about to share the overarching purpose for our lives to represent his perfect, grace-filled, saving grace until he returns. And what was made remarkable to me is when God showed me the verse that isn't here. The one where Jesus says, I know some of you have doubts and you need to get off the mountain. I'm about to give some important instructions here and if you have doubts, I don't want you here. That's not in here. That's not here. These men, they came flawed. But they made themselves available. They went to the mountain when Jesus told them to go to the mountain and they worshiped anyway, even in their flawed state. You have a purpose in God's mission for this world right here, right now. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are not good enough to be part of God's plan. He has instructions to give you today. There's something he wants to tell you individually today. But you know who doesn't receive instruction? Those who aren't willing to go to the mountain. It's not those who are flawed. It's those who are not willing to meet God and go to the mountain. Despite their flaws, these men showed up and they worshiped. You will not receive clarity in your role if you're not available and if your focus is not the worship and glorification of the name of Jesus Christ. We receive our mission by displaying availability and adoration, not perfection. Availability and adoration. Look at this exchange that Isaiah has with God. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Is that your heart? Yes, send me. Let me go. I will worship you. I will go where you send me. You will not have a passion for Christ's mission if you don't first have a compassion and a passion for Christ. You will not have a passion for Christ's mission if you don't first have a passion for Christ himself. John MacArthur said this, When God is not truly worshipped, he cannot be truly served. 
no matter how talented, gifted, or well-intentioned his servants may be. And the reason for that is because if you are not fully focused on glorifying Christ, you will always use your talents to glorify yourself. And what's the first thing that Jesus says to them as they worship in verse 18? It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Before giving his instructions to the church, to his followers, Jesus affirms his absolute authority. Because fulfilling our mission in Christ is dependent on Christ's authority. Fulfilling our mission in Christ is dependent on Christ's authority. Listen, there are too many people who want to fulfill a mission of their own choosing for Christ rather than submitting to the authority of Christ. Look how Daniel describes Christ's authority in his vision. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. If you want to have a role in God's mission for this world, then Christ's sovereignty must be a non-negotiable in your life. Are you stuck because you're waiting for God to give you the assignment you want rather than the assignment he created you for. It's his assignment we must fulfill, not our own. It's his assignment, both corporately and individually. Because fulfilling our mission in Christ is also dependent on Christ's assignment. His authority and his assignment. There is an assignment for the church as a whole. A mission every follower of Christ must engage in, and that's what we're talking about today. Yes, we do have an individual role. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But we're also supposed to be moving together as one body, in community, in a common universal mission that every believer takes place in and takes part in. Listen, your individual role, which is what we start to look at, We try to go there first, but your individual role will never take root unless it is rooted in the context of the greater mission of the church. And here's the mission. We continue in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Now let's keep that up there and dissect it a little bit. The word therefore obviously refers to the previous sentence, right? So because Jesus has all authority, because he is sovereign, he tells us to do what? Go. He tells us to go. Let's drop down on that word. The word go or porevome has a definitive meaning of moving forward or departing, but it also means what we have here, to pursue the journey on which one has entered, to continue on one's 
journey. So we do have to actively go, but we're also supposed to fulfill the mission as we go. That's where the title of our series comes from. So every interaction, every step in our lives should be dedicated to fulfilling the purpose God has placed before us as one body in Christ. And what is it we're supposed to do or be doing as we go? This passage gives us three things that we're supposed to be moving toward or doing as we go. We return to verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That's the first thing. Make disciples. Share the gospel. Now, it wouldn't be a surprise to the Jewish believers that they were supposed to be a light to the rest of the world. See Psalm 96.3. They've been waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise to Abram. Because God promised Abram it's going to come up here in just a moment. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's quite a promise. In other words, all the nations will be blessed and come into alignment with the children of Abraham to worship God. And Isaiah's prophecy of Christ says this. You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So the idea of the world being saved through the God of Abraham was not really that surprising. What may have been surprising is the word go. Or make disciples. See, it was believed that all the nations would come to Israel, that they would come to Jerusalem to worship the one true God. And I believe that that will still happen at the end of the age, Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. But just like so many things about Christ's kingdom, many wanted the future now, and so they missed what God was doing with them in the moment. Are you one of those people? So when the nations didn't come to Jerusalem... The Jews became prideful and exclusionary of the rest of the world. But Jesus introduces a major shift in thinking here. Instead of expecting the light to bring other nations to the hope of Jerusalem, we're going to send Jerusalem out to the other nations. Instead of expecting people to come to the children of God, we're going to send the children of God out to the people. He turns it on its head for them. The problem is, too many of us are still sitting with the mindset they had. Too many of us are sitting with an Old Testament mindset. Too many of us are waiting for the nation to come to us. We look at the politics and crime in the world and we look at it with disgust and we shake our heads and we wonder, why aren't people turning to God? Why aren't they coming to church? They're not supposed to come to us. Jesus never expected that they were going to come to us. We're supposed to go to them. We're supposed to go to the world and be a light. We're supposed to show them what it means to be saved and have hope. We can't sit in this room and hope that they come. 
God sending us out to go get them. And you may say, but I'm not a missionary. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, that may be true. Not everybody has the gift of evangelism. But every single believer is called to be evangelistic. Intercessory prayer is also a gift. It's a spiritual gift. Not everybody has it. My wife has it. She can pray for hours. I don't. But that doesn't mean I'm not called to pray. I'm just called in a different way than she is. Evangelism is the same way. I'm going to say something very difficult here. If every activity you have is in the church, if every event you plan is for those in the church, if every relationship you have is with other believers, you need to ask yourself if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus walks into the lives of the lost. He walks into the lives of the broken and the sick and the unhealed and those who don't have hope in this world. He walks into their lives. Are you going to follow him there? Now, JC is going to talk more about serving in the church in a couple weeks. And that's one key component to being the church. It's vital to our growth, to our community, to the health of the body. But listen, God's command is clear. Go. Keep serving in the church. And if you're not serving in the church, start now. But what this commission doesn't allow you to say is that I serve in student ministries or I serve with the welcoming team or I serve with care ministries so that those with the evangelistic gift can, so that they can go out. I'll, I'll serve here so that they can go out. No, you need to go out. You need to go out into the world. You need to build relationships of integrity with people that you don't agree with. You need to be the light. Love God, love people doesn't end at the doors of this church. When you leave, it should start there. The most significant work that you do for the kingdom of God should take place outside the walls of this church. And if you don't know how to get started, that's okay. We're recommending this book to go along with the series to give you some action steps. It's called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. It's available in the bookstore. It's a very short, easy read. But this will give those of you who don't have the gift of evangelism some simple steps that you can take in your life to become more mission-focused. Please pick it up and read it. We'll refer to it throughout the series. And if you do have the gift of evangelism, read the book anyway and help equip those who don't and encourage those who don't to reach out to the people in their circle, in their community. You can be equipping them. We make disciples, all of us. We return to our passage. The second part of our mission is baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Israel had long used baptism as a symbol of being cleansed. And John the, baptism, uh, John the, baptism, John the Baptist's baptism was one of repentance. This is something different. This baptism 
is about our identity in Jesus Christ and proclaiming His salvation. It declares to the world that we belong to God, that we partake in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we are not the same person that we were before. Look what Paul wrote about our sinful nature and how it relates to baptism. He said, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This, this is not a ritual. This is a declaration and a celebration. Now, there's a lot of things that could be said about baptism that we don't have time for this morning, but let me say this. When we have a baptism celebration here, the amphitheater should be overflowing with people celebrating new lives being restored by Jesus Christ. We should have signs and we should be trying to out-cheer the angels as someone goes into that water and comes back out. Because every time someone comes out of that water, every time they're buried in the water, it represents a spiritual burial that's not going to happen. And that's worth cheering about. That's worth celebrating. Teach people the importance of baptism. Bring them to baptism when they first become believers. So we're called to go. We're called to make disciples, all of us. We're called to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice that it says name, one name. The name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Declaring our unity with all three persons of the one true God. And the third and final part of our assignment is this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Teach them to obey all the commands. That's what we call discipleship and growth. We are called to grow people in their faith. You can't just leave them at the baptismal. Now, I feel like there's a couple people I haven't upset yet, so let me say this. Most churches in America fail at the Great Commission. And they fail because most churches are really only interested in one part of the mission. Most churches are either a church that has a heart for the lost or a heart for discipleship. Some churches focus so much on being what we call seeker-friendly, winning people to Christ, that they shy away from really ever challenging someone in their sin for fear that they might scare them away from Jesus. But the flip side is that other churches focus so much on discipleship and personal growth, and they do that so much so that they actually grow a disdain for the world around them. And the individuals in the church never develop a true heart for the lost. Well, they may give to missions, and they may even believe in the importance of missions. What we do when we send things overseas, that's important. But do we build a missional culture in our church, in the American church? Do we build a culture in which the hearts of the people are focused on the lost? We need to do both. 
If we want to be the church, we need to have a passion for the lost. But we also have to have a passion for growing people up and discipling them in Jesus Christ so that they get to a point where their own sins, their own hurts, and their own dysfunction are no longer a barrier for them taking place, their part in reaching a lost world. Every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ needs to be engaged in growing another believer and feeding into the lives of people in our community who don't know Christ. How do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that over the rest of the series. There are three more components that are vital to fulfilling our mission in Christ, and we'll talk about those in the coming weeks. But today we'll start simply by encouraging one another and meeting the culture where they're at. So when we send a missionary for a long-term mission in a foreign land, what's the first thing we teach them? What's that? The language. That's right. We teach them the language and we teach them the culture. We teach them to convey the change Christ has made in their own lives using a language and a culture that the people will understand. We need to do that locally. We need to do that here in our own community too. Now make sure you hear this disclaimer because I don't want to be misquoted. This is important. True witnessing for Jesus Christ always happens face to face by building ongoing relationships of integrity with people in our community. It happens in relationship. But we cannot ignore that one of the major languages of our culture, for better or worse, is social media. So we need to be engaged there for Christ as well. The things that you post on social media matter. Every photo, every joke, every complaint that you post is a representation of Jesus Christ. Are you representing Christ well? Because every keystroke should be filled with encouragement and truth and kindness and love and mercy and above all, it should show dignity to everyone. Otherwise, you're not only ignoring the mission of Christ, you're working against it. Stop arguing on social media and start loving differently. So we're going to do something a little bit different, an experiment with this series. If you look at the bottom of your outline, page two of the four panels, there's an engage section. It's a hashtag action. And we're going to ask each of you to reflect on what we've discussed today and share how God is asking you to change to fulfill his purpose. We're going to take a few extra minutes today to explain this because it's the first week, but we're going to use it every week. Maybe God is challenging you to mentor someone. Or maybe he's calling you to bless someone in an unexpected way. Maybe, maybe it's a random act of kindness. But as you're getting ready to post on social media, make sure you hear this. The goal in your life is not to trick people into hearing the gospel. People are not projects. And you should not post on social media like they are projects. That's icky. 
Don't post, this is Bob in my office, I'm going to convert him. Hashtag, as we go. Hashtag, I'm creepy. <laughs> don't do that. And if you do, don't tag Brookwood Church when you do it. No, the goal of this series is for you to be changed, for you to be transformed so that you can build real relationships with genuine compassion for people. Because when you have real relationships with people in your community who are not believers and you have compassion for them and you truly love them, you know what that leads to? That leads to conversations about faith. That's what introduces people to Jesus, not pitches. Ask God what he wants you to do this week to fulfill his purpose and then post it using text or a picture. Make sure you tag at Brookwood Church so that we can find you and use the hashtag as we go. And then engage with one another's posts. Encourage one another. Now, because this is the first week, let's give you a few examples. We asked a few people to start early. Maybe your post is a prayer. Maybe God is calling you to pray. Like Jacob put, Jesus, hashtag, as we go, please help me to see people as you see them, as individuals you died for. And he tagged Brookwood Church. Or, or maybe God is calling you to make a commitment. Maybe God wants you to make a commitment like what Gina put. This year I'm committed to go and follow the assignment God has for me instead of trying to create my own. Hashtag as we go with Brookwood Church. Or maybe God is calling you to an action, like what Ping has up here. As we go, I will bless three people this week who don't attend at Brookwood Church to show God's love for them. Let's get hashtag as we go trending with acts of love and encouragement as we reach out to the world. And balance out all of this negativity that happens, all this self-obsession that happens. And if you don't, and I mean this seriously, if you don't know what a hashtag is and you've been sitting here wondering why there's a pound sign in the front of our series <laughs> name, that is okay. Not everybody uses a computer. I know that. But we want you to engage too. So what you can do is you can write what God is telling you on a post-it note and you stick it on a real wall instead of a digital wall. And you tell people, you communicate with each other, you build one another up. But everybody can engage in this. Let's fulfill a purpose greater than what we do together on Sunday mornings. And finally, fulfilling our mission in Christ is dependent on Christ's assurance. Christ's assurance. The very last sentence in the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, 20. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Understand the men on that mountain and the women that were likely on that mountain were completely incapable of fulfilling this mission until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to respond in Christ's strength and power. And so are we. We are incapable of this mission. So every word that comes off our tongue must rely on him. It must be based on his assurance. Look at this word always. Always. Let's highlight that. The word always here more literally means every day. 
I will be with you every day, Jesus says. His power, His strength, His assurance, His mission. God's purpose is beyond what you can do on your own. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom, if you, if you want to be part of what God wants to do in our community, it must be under his authority, it must be his assignment, and it must be with his assurance that his power and his presence is going to be with you to guide you. You know, I, I can't even really wrap my own brain around this, but try, try to not miss the significance of what God is offering you here. We looked at earlier, God made a covenant with Abram who became Abraham. He made a covenant, a promise that he was going to send his saving light across the world. That was God's promise. That was God's word. Do you grasp that God is giving us the opportunity to be part of fulfilling His Word. That's unimaginable. Be the body. Be the church. Be consumed with His purpose. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everybody. I want to be part of that. Do you? Father God, we come to you knowing that we are not worthy to be part of fulfilling your word and your promise. But that your great love restores us. That your willingness to sacrifice your son so that we could be adopted as your children and be part of the work that you are doing in our community is unfathomable. And we thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to not take it for granted, that you would allow us to see people through your eyes instead of through our own eyes. Help us develop a heart for what your heart wants to reflect. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways that you can connect with other Christians, or if you just have questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. You can also find our past messages on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.